Good to see everybody here this morning. And uh, man, what a, what a celebration. Uh, one time for all mankind, God uh, sent his son and paid the price, the once and for all sacrifice. And uh, again, what a, what a time for us to celebrate. And uh, this morning, uh, I'm excited about what we're going to be talking about, of course, the, the resurrection, but uh, something so vital. And I'm thankful that you're here today. If you're a guest with us, we're so thankful that you're here. First time guest, I hope that you'll stop by our Welcome Center because we do want to give you a gift and say thank you and hopefully answer any questions. We can meet you and uh, all, all that. So um, we, uh, I, if you're not quite sure about what the real purpose of Easter is, uh, then you're definitely in the right place. And hopefully you've already heard it. Hopefully uh, it's been uh, very clear to you. Uh, if you are sure what Easter's about, then of course you're in the right place as well, I believe, uh, with God's people. But what a celebration. It's a, something that's so full of emotion, something that is uh, full of brokenness and reflection, as we've already done. Uh, but again, worship and joy, all because of what God did on our behalf. And I want to invite you to turn, if you have your Bibles, to Luke 23. You can follow along on the screen, and um, this morning we are going to be uh, preaching this, this message entitled, Remember His Words. Remember His Words. And I think it's such a vital thing for us to do in the world that we're all living in right now. And it says this in verse 26 is where we pick up, it was a, led him away, talking about Jesus, they seized one Simon of Cyrene, who was coming in from the country and laid on him the cross to carry it behind Jesus and there followed him a great multitude of the people and of the women who were mourning and lamenting for him but turning to them Jesus said daughters of Jerusalem do not weep for me but weep for yourselves and for your children for behold the days are coming when they will say blessed are the barren and the the wombs that never bore and the breasts that never nursed then they will begin to say to the mountains, fall on us, and to the hills, cover us. For if they do these things when the wood is green, what will happen when it's dry? If you have God with you in the present, if, if it's clear right now, then what's going to happen when he's gone, when he's resurrected? The two others were, who were criminals were led away to be put to death with him. When they came to the place that is called the skull or Golgotha or Calvary, there they crucified him and the criminals, one on his right hand and one on his left. And Jesus said, Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. And the, the guards cast lots to divide his garments, and the people stood by watching. But the rulers, the religious rulers, they scoffed at him, saying, He saved others. Let him save himself. If he is Christ of God, if he's the Messiah, if he's the chosen one, if he's the anointed one of God, then let him save himself. The soldiers also mocked him, coming up and offering him sour wine and saying, if you're the king of the Jews, save yourself. There was also an inscription over him that they put on, this is the king of the Jews. See what happens? One of the criminals who were hanged railed against him, screaming at Jesus, screaming at God in the flesh, and he said, are you not the Christ? Then save yourself and us. Do something. But the other criminal on the other side rebuked that man and said, Do you not fear God since you're under the same sentence of condemnation? 
And, and not only that, we indeed justly, justly, for we are receiving the due rewards of our deeds, but this man has done nothing wrong. And Jesus, and he said, Jesus, remember me when you come into your kingdom. And he said to him, truly I say to you, today you will be with me in paradise. It was about the sixth hour of the day, and there was darkness over the whole land until the ninth hour, and while the sun's light failed, and the curtain of the temple was torn in two. And Jesus, calling out with a loud voice, said, Father, into your hands I commit my spirit. And having said this, he breathed his last. Now when the centurion saw what had taken place, he praised God, saying, certainly this man was innocent. And all the crowds that had assembled for this spectacle, when they saw what had taken place, they returned home beating their breasts. And all his acquaintances and the men, I'm sorry, and the women who had followed him from Galilee stood at a distance watching these things. Now, there was a man named Joseph from the Jewish town of Arimathea, and he was a member of the council. He was good and a righteous man who had not consented to their decision and action to crucify Jesus. And he was looking for the kingdom of God. This man went to Pilate, and he asked for the body of Jesus. Then he took it down, and he wrapped it in a linen shroud and laid it in a tomb cut in stone where no one had ever yet been laid. And it was the day of preparation, and the Sabbath was beginning. And so the women who had come with him from Galilee followed, and they saw the tomb and how his body was laid. So they, they returned, and they prepared spices and ointments, and on the Sabbath day they rested according to the commandment. But on the first day of the week, at early dawn, they went to the tomb, taking the spices that they had prepared for his body, and they didn't find a body that they could access and wrap in spices and ointments. They found the stone rolled away from the tomb. But when they went in, they did not find the body of the Lord Jesus. They were, while they were perplexed about this, behold, two men stood by them in dazzling apparel. And as they were frightened, they bowed down their faces to the ground. The men said to them, why, why are you seeking the living among the dead? He is not here, but has risen. Remember how he told you while he was still in Galilee that the Son of Man must be delivered into the hands of sinful men and be crucified and on the third day rise. And look at the next statement. And they remembered his words. They remembered his words. Let's pray. Father, thank you so much for this day. Thank you for the season of celebration, God. Again, we know that each year uh, that this time of year rolls around, uh, that we are, we're privileged, we're humbled that we can celebrate together what you've done on our behalf. And Lord, we know that we do this every day. We know that uh, for the believer, for the Christian, for the one who has surrendered their life to you, we know that this is a daily celebration. But this, this time of Passover, this time of reflection and celebration for what you've done to deliver us, God, uh, it, it, it brings us to a place of humility. It brings us to a place of, of worship. And so, Lord, this morning I ask that you would just move in a special way as your word is preached. God, if there's somebody here, they're not positive where they're going to spend eternity. Maybe they've even heard before that that you sent Jesus to die on a cross for their sins, and maybe they accept that. Maybe, maybe they believe that you even rose from the grave. But they, don't, they don't believe 
unto salvation. Lord, they've never surrendered their life and fully entrusted you with their life. Maybe they have a, a head knowledge. Maybe it's a belief like you say in Scripture that the demons have and they tremble about it. But they've never given you their life and so they're not positive that they're going to spend eternity in heaven. If there's somebody like that, I pray to you today before they leave, they'll, they'll do that. They'll surrender their life and be saved and receive that free gift of eternal life. If there's somebody watching online, that they would do the same, Lord. God, I pray for those of us who have by your grace, accepted that salvation offer. Lord, accepted that free gift. Lord, we have surrendered our life to you. Help us to press in this morning. Help us to remember your word. I ask you to just move now in Jesus' name. Amen. Verse 9 in that chapter continues on. It says, And they returned from the tomb, and they told all these things to the eleven and all the rest of the disciples of Jesus. Now it was Mary Magdalene, Joanna and Mary the mother of James and the other women with them who told these things to the apostles but look look what happens but these words seem like seem to them like an idle tale and they didn't believe these women so Peter what did he do he rises up and he runs to the tomb himself he stoops down and he looks in and he saw the linen cloth by themselves and he went home marveling at what had happened now, we, we understand by what Scripture tells us that all of the disciples went to the tomb that day with a different motivation than they should have. The, the women went to go anoint his body. Uh, they didn't have time to do it before the Sabbath, so they were going to go on that first day of the week to, to, to anoint his body in, in that tomb. They, uh, they went for that. Peter, we know, ran to see if what they had said was actually true. So he kind of was running in intrigue. It wasn't until the, the angels, those two men, reminded them of what Jesus had told them that they actually remembered his words. And this morning, uh, in, in, in light of that, in light of the resurrection, in light of what Jesus has already spoken, in light of who Jesus is and what he offers, and, and, and again, what he has spoken, I think it's vital for us to remember a very specific word that the resurrection that his death his his crucifixion is all about and that word is hope that's something that jesus gave to them and that only jesus can give today you know, our world that you and i are living in two thousand years after the death and the resurrection of jesus christ is raging all around us our world has seemingly turned upside down on its head we're living in a, a completely different world than we than we were two years ago seemingly there are so many people in our day and time on this day that are still searching for hope, for real hope. And that's important to, to distinguish between what some people think hope is and what hope really is. Many people think hope is something like a, a, a wishful thinking. There's a lot of people that say, uh, well, I, I, I hope that this happens. And that's a, that's a stark contrast between what biblical hope is and again compared to what jesus offers and what he gives versus what the world can offer and the world gives as i said many interpret the the word hope as wishful thinking i i hope that this doesn't happen i well i hope this happens i i hope that i don't get that virus i hope that our pipes don't burst in the freeze and ruin our carpet there's a lot of hoping wishful thinking that the world again attaches to that word and most of the time 
the wishful thinking that we have, the hope that we have, is based off of something that is unsure, unpredictable. On the flip side, when we see the word hope in Scripture, when we talk about hope in the context of eternity, talk about hope in the context of life or salvation, hope means something completely else. It's the opposite of wishful thinking, actually. Biblical hope is based on someone or something very sure, very reliable. Jesus Christ and his word. The word hope means to expect or to confide. It means to trust or to entrust. It means confident expectation or confidence. Jesus gave the disciples no other reason to question his word. He, he told them what he was going to do. And up to that point, they had experienced him keeping his promises, keeping his word 100%. So they had no other reason to doubt. They had no reason to not remember what he had said. His followers could have absolute confidence, absolute hope. As we just read, they forgot until they were reminded by those two men. And the reason why this topic of hope, I believe, is so important in our lives today, in 2021, is that, again, people are seeking to put their hope, their trust, their confidence in so many other things, temporal things, man-made things, things that are unworthy, things that don't merit trust. But we see biblical hope is what a lot of people are actually looking for. Maybe they just can't quite pinpoint that that's what it is. And the reason why I believe so many people are actually looking for this, this real experience of hope but don't know where to find it is because, again, they want what hope offers. We think about what does hope offer? What, what does it actually bring to our life? What are we looking for? We say, man, I, I, just want, I just need something to hope in. I just need something to hang on to. I just need something that I can rely in and rest. I need, something, I need some hope. Hope brings to us a few things. Number one, it brings peace. When you have, the, the, when you have hope in Christ, when you when you have biblical hope in the one who's worthy of our trust, you have peace. You also have comfort. That's what a lot of people are wanting in this life, right? Last year, our, wor our world was turned uncomfortable. What we were used to, what we were living in, what was normal to us, all changed. And as soon as we were about a week into it, we were all were like, well, we're ready to get back to normal. We had no idea what was lying ahead. And now our, our lives completely, have been completely changed, and we've gotten used to what we would consider uncomfortable. But again, this world is not going to bring the comfort that we're in, in search of. Hope also gives assurance. Assurance right now, assurance later. It, it brings encouragement and strength. Biblical hope gives us joy regardless of what we go through. Biblical hope also gives us boldness. Scripture tells us these things that it, it's important for us to identify, but this morning I want to help you remember the words of Jesus before and not after the fact. Not, 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 it can't be too late because if, if, if you don't have hope now, then it'll be too late if you wait until you realize that you needed hope before. Before it's too late, before the storm before the loss, before the persecution comes. I want to look at two simple truths that hope in Christ means for us. The first one is this, hope. 
Hope in Christ means hope now. Hope in Christ means hope now. Confidence now. Everything hope brings with it. When you hope in Christ, it means that you can have it right now. You can have the peace and the joy and the, the, the encouragement, the boldness. You can have all those things if you have hope in Christ now. Paul said, 1 Timothy chapter 1 to, to uh, Timothy, he said, Paul, an apostle of Christ Jesus by command of God our Savior and Christ Jesus our hope. He said, our hope, Jesus Christ is our hope, our present hope, our current hope, our hope right now. So first of all, Jesus offers and is hope for our lives. If you're here this morning and you're saying, I'm just struggling. I'm struggling to find some encouragement. I'm struggling to find some, some, some comfort right now. I'm telling you right now, it's not going to be found in a job. It's not going to be found in, a, in an earthly relationship. It's not going to be found in stuff. It's not going to be found in a circumstance. The only way for you and I to experience real hope and everything that hope brings with it is to put that hope, to put that trust, to put that confidence in Jesus Christ alone. And he gives it instantly. When we entrust our lives and our eternity to him, again, he gives us that in an instant. Because it's him. It's his presence in our life. It's all about him. And that gives us daily confidence and daily assurance. No matter what happens, no matter what comes against you, no matter what you face, no matter what your emotions do, if you have hope in Christ, then you stand in Christ with full assurance. 1 Peter chapter 1 says, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, according to his great mercy, he has caused us to be born again, listen to these words, to a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. And so when we, we entrust our lives to him, we place our confidence, our reliance in Jesus Christ, on Jesus Christ, his death in our place, his resurrection from the dead, when we rely solely on him as our way to have our sins forgiven and receive eternal life from him alone, then we can walk every day of our life with living hope. With a hope that doesn't fade away, with a hope that's new every day. You say, I, I, how can someone be living in the times that we're living in with so much uncertainty, with so much fear, with so, so many things going on in our world? How can someone live with a smile on their faith, with joy in their heart, and get up every day and, and, and face it like it's, it's a great day? How can you do that? I believe if you put hope, if you put faith, if you put confidence in Jesus Christ, he becomes all of that for you every day. Again, regardless of circumstances. You get this type of hope, gives the things that we want. But it's foreign to those who don't have a relationship with Jesus Christ. To have an active confidence, to have a, an active faith that doesn't die. It's not something that you have once. And you have been born again to a faith, to a hope that's alive. You experience it, and you have it for the rest of your life. We can have hope in the Word of God and what the trials and the struggles are doing in our life once we're a child of God, what, what He has planned. Romans chapter 12, verse 12 says, Rejoice in hope. Be patient in tribulation. Be constant in prayer. Rejoice in hope. Romans chapter 15, May the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace and believing so that by the power of the Holy Spirit you may abound in hope. Again, no matter what you go through, no matter what you're facing, as a child of God, because you've placed your confidence and trust in Jesus Christ, the hope that God gives you alone can increase in your life. Because it's alive. 1 Corinthians chapter 15, I'm going to read this, and 
I'm going to try to be quick because I need to close, but it says this. Now, I would remind you, brothers, of the gospel I preached to you, which you received, in which you stand, and by which you are saved. If you hold fast to the word I preached to you, unless you believed in vain. For I delivered to you first, of, uh, as of first importance, what I also received. That Christ died for our sins, according to the scriptures, and he was buried. That he was raised on the third day in accordance with the scriptures. And that he appeared to Cephas, and then to the twelve. Then he appeared to more than 500 brothers at one time, most of whom are still alive, though some have fallen asleep or died. Then he appeared to James, to all the apostles. Last of all, as to one untimely born, he also appeared to me, appeared also to me, Paul said. For I am at least of the apostles unworthy to be called an apostle, because I persecuted the church of God, he said. But by the grace of God, I am what I am, and his grace toward me was not in vain. On the contrary, I worked harder than any of them, though it was not I, but the grace of God that was with me. Whether then it was I or they, so we preach and so you believed. That's what he says. Now, if Christ is proclaimed as raised from the dead, how can some of you say that there's no resurrection of the dead? But if there's no resurre resurrection of the dead, then not even Christ has been raised. And if Christ has not been raised, then our preaching, our proclaiming of these things is in vain. And not only that, what you put your confidence in, your faith is in vain. And you're still in your sins. Then those also who have fallen asleep in Christ have perished. If in Christ we have hope in this life only, we are of all people most to be pitied. So in other words, if our confidence that we put in Jesus Christ only gets us through day to day, if it only is for this life right now, then that's a miserable life. If we have no hope beyond this life because we've hoped in Jesus Christ alone, then we are to be pitied among all people. But look what he says. But in fact, Christ has been raised from the dead. The first fruits of those who have fallen asleep, for as by man came death, he's talking about Adam, because of Adam's sin, death passed upon all men. By a man, Jesus, has come also the resurrection of the dead. For as in Adam all die because of sin, so also in Christ shall all be made alive because of his resurrection. But each in his own order, Christ the first fruits, then at his coming, when he returns, those who belong to Christ, then comes the end, when he delivers the kingdom of God to the Father after destroying every rule, every authority and power, because he has to reign until he's put all enemies under his feet. The last enemy to be destroyed is death. For God has put all things in subjection under his feet. But when it says all things are put into subjection, it's plain that he's accepted who put all things in subjection under him. When all things are subjected to him, then the Son himself will also be subjected to him, the Father who put all things in subjection under him, that God may be all in all. Otherwise, what do people mean by being baptized on behalf of the dead? If the dead are not raised at all, why are people being baptized on their behalf? Why are we in danger every hour, Paul says? I protest, brothers, by my pride in you, which I have in Christ Jesus our Lord. I die every day. What do I gain if, humanly speaking, I've fought with these beasts at Ephesus if the dead are not raised? Let's just take on the mindset of Epicureans, he said. Let us eat and drink because tomorrow we die. It doesn't matter. Let's just live our lives for us and enjoy life and not worry about anything. But do not be deceived. Bad company ruins good morals. Wake up from your drunken stupor as is right and do not go on sinning because some people don't have the knowledge of God and he says I say this to your shame wake up spiritually some will ask how are the dead raised and what kind of body do they come in when they're raised to life 
He says, you foolish person, what you sow does not come to life unless it dies. He goes to agriculture. You've got to throw a seed into the ground. He says, what you sow is not the body that is to be, but a bare kernel, perhaps of wheat or some other kind of grain, but God gives it a body as he's chosen to each his kind of seed in its own body, for not all flesh is the same, but there's one kind for humans, another for animals, for birds, and for fish. There are heavenly bodies, there are earthly bodies, but the glory of the heavenly is of one kind, and the glory of the earthly is of another. There is one glory of the sun, another glory of the moon, another glory of the stars, for the star differ, star differ, for, differs from star in glory. So it is with the resurrection of the dead. What is sown is perishable, what is raised is imperishable. What is sown in dishonor is raised in glory. What is sown in weakness is raised in power. It is sown a natural body. It's raised a spiritual body. If there is a natural body, there is also a spiritual body. Thus it is written, for uh, the first man, Adam, became a living being. The last, Adam, became a life-giving spirit. But it's not the spiritual that is first, but the natural, and then the spiritual. I said, man, this is, this is a lot. He would go on and explain this. In verse 50, he says this. I tell you, brothers, that flesh and blood cannot inherit the kingdom of God, nor does the perishable inherit the imperishable. He said, Behold, I tell you a mystery. We shall not all sleep, but we shall all be changed in a moment in the twinkling of an eye at the last trumpet. For the trumpet will sound, and the dead will be raised imperishable, and we shall be changed. For this perishable must put on the imperishable. This mortal must put on immortality. And when the perishable puts on the imperishable, the mortal puts on immortality. Then shall come to pass the saying that is written, Death is swallowed up in victory. O death, where is your victory? O death, where is your sting? The sting of death is sin, and the power of sin is the law. But thanks thanks be to God who gives us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. Hope is now and hope is later. Again, Paul said, if if we only have hope in this life, we're we're of all men to be pitied. So number two is this. Hope in Christ means hope later. Confidence later. Confidence now, confidence later. Titus says this in chapter two, waiting for our blessed hope in the appearing of our great God and Savior Jesus Christ. The resurrection of Christ gives us hope now and hope later. Why? Because number one, he said what he would do, and he did it. He rose from the grave. Remember his words. Why? Because the second thing, he will do what he said he will do. We just read it. He will return for his people. He's alive. He gives hope now for day to day. Say, man, I need something. I need hope in my life. I need something to hang on to. I need to have something day to day that gives me assurance, that gives me confidence, that everything's going to be all right in my life. I need confidence. I need assurance that when I die, that everything's going to be all right. And that hope is only found in Jesus Christ. Remember his words. Romans chapter 14, whether we live or uh, whether we, I'm sorry, for whether we live, we live unto the Lord. And whether we die, we die unto the Lord. Whether we live therefore or die, we are the Lord's. He's talking to God's people. No matter what happens to you, If you're a child of God, you are the Lord's. And that's confidence. I don't have time to read Romans chapter 8, but I encourage you to to take some time today and and remember the words of the Lord. Go back and read that. I'm going to say to the child of God this morning, Christian, what this should mean for you and I is that we need to embrace the hope of the resurrected Lord. This morning, we need to remember, we need to live every day 
in the confident expectation of what his word and his work gives us every day. We need to joyfully and faithfully share this good news of Jesus Christ crucified for the lost. We need to joyfully share the fact that not only he died for the lost, but he rose again the third day to give life to everyone who would believe in him. Believer, that's our, that's our privilege, that's our joy, that's our responsibility. But I want to say to the lost person this morning, there's, there's never been a time in your life where you entrusted your life to Jesus Christ. As I said earlier, maybe when I, when I was praying, maybe you acknowledge the fact that Jesus died, maybe you acknowledge the fact that he rose again, and that's why you're here today, but you know in your heart you have never given your life to Jesus Christ. You've never said, God, I'm sorry for my sins. I want to turn away from my life of sin, and I want to, I want to turn my life over to you, and I want to live for you from this day forward. I, I want you to save me from my sins, and I want you to be the Lord of my life. And then you surrender. If you've never done that before, I'm begging you this morning to do that. He rose from the grave, not just to prove that he was God, not just to prove that he was the victor over sin and the grave. But he rose to give us life. To give, give us hope. So if you've never entrusted your life to Jesus Christ, we're going to pray and there's going to be people move and they're going to come to this altar and some are going to be praying, thanking God for what he's done, maybe asking him to help remember his word and to stand in the hope that Jesus Christ gives. But if you're here and you've never entered into a relationship with Jesus Christ, I'm going to ask you to come. We're not going to make a scene. We're not going to embarrass you. Matter of fact, we can take you over here to the side, one of these side rooms, and privately show you in God's word exactly what we're talking about. But don't leave here not knowing for sure that heaven's going to be your home when you die. Don't leave here without hope in Jesus Christ. Again, it's, it's found only in him. Surrender your life today. Turn to Jesus in faith, and you'll walk out of here with a, with a hope that nothing can take away and no one can take away. He paid for your sin, but he rose again on the third day. Father, thank you for this time. Thank you for all that you do. Thank you for your love for us. Thank you for your sacrifice for us. Thank you for the resurrection. As we read a large portion of the scripture this morning from the Apostle Paul, talking about what the resurrection gives to us. It gives us hope, and not just hope for now, but both hope now and later. We can live every day, we can wake up every day having assurance, having peace, having comfort, having, having all the things that hope is because of Jesus Christ. And no matter how we leave this earth, no matter what happens to us on these earthly bodies, we have hope for later because of Jesus. So Lord, help us remember your words. Help us remember now, before it's too late. And I pray, again, if there's somebody here who's not sure that heaven's going to be their home when they die, that they'll come this morning and say, tell me how I can be saved. Lord, we ask you to just move now in Jesus' name. Amen. If you'll stand as he plays, I'm going to encourage you to come.